Welcome to the Nature Reliance Podcast, where we explore the history and practical experience of the great outdoors and discover new ways to connect with nature. I'm Craig Cottle, your guide through the fascinating world of natural living and survival skills through experiential education and interviews. Today's episode is brought to you by the Nature Reliance School Online Membership, an immersive online learning experience designed for outdoor enthusiasts just like you. Are you passionate about the outdoors? Do you crave more knowledge about disaster readiness, wilderness survival, bushcraft, tracking, and nature awareness? If so, the Nature Reliance School online membership is your gateway to a community of like-minded individuals, all dedicated to learning and sharing essential outdoor skills. With the Nature Reliance School online membership, you get exclusive access to a wealth of resources, including expert-led tutorials, interactive webinars, and a library of engaging courses, downloadable books, and documents. Whether you're a beginner or an experienced outdoorsman, there's always something new to learn. So don't wait. Click on the link below to join the Nature Reliance School online membership today. Embrace the wilderness, enhance your skills, and become part of a community that values nature as much as you do. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome into another episode of the Nature Reliance Media Podcast. This is Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Reliance School, coming with another story for you. I have certainly, without a doubt, avoided sharing this story in too many places, but it's happened again that somebody asked me about it, and because I tell what I consider to be the truth about my feelings on this, I feel like it's time to get it out there. This story that is going to relate my thoughts and considerations on whether Bigfoots or Sasquatches are real is one of those things that is either going to make you roll your eyes or it's going to make you go, well, hmm, I don't know what I think about that. Before I get started into the story of what I know about Sasquatches, I just want to thank everybody that's listening to the podcast. Thank you financial supporters that are donating money to make sure that the podcast stays strong. Appreciate Tracy and all his fine editing, and when he finds time to be able to do a podcast, I really appreciate Tracy doing his stuff to do that too, because they always tend to be good stories. So thank you to everybody that supports what it is that we're doing here. I tend to be the voice more often than not, but it wouldn't happen without Tracy behind the scenes. So if you see him in a class or you see him online, give him a thank you for what happens in the podcast. So here is what I know about Sasquatches. I'm considering myself a citizen scientist when it comes to the outdoors, meaning I really love to spend a lot of time outdoors. Uh, I spend a lot of time outdoors because I do enjoy it immensely. All sorts of weather, all sorts of conditions. I get to go outside in different parts of the world, primarily, obviously, here in the United States. But I get to see a lot of different things, and quite often there have been things that have happened that I just don't know why they happened. It might be a tree that's bent and broken and twisted and is growing a certain way. It might be a snake that has a certain pattern on it that a copperhead doesn't normally look like that, but oh wow, that, yep, that's a copperhead. And it could be any number of things. Things that I don't have answers for. There's a lot of them. A whole lot of them. To be clear, 
I have yet to see any evidence of a Sasquatch except one very distinct count encounter I had when I was a teenager. Let me repeat. I have not found any hair. I've not found a track. I've not found scat. I've not found sign of any sort out in the woods. I've never heard anything. I've never seen anything except for one very distinct experience. And it's kind of mind-blowing, to be quite frank with you. And I'll try to share what it is that involves this story about the Sasquatch in just a moment. So again, from a from a science nature understanding, if if a Sasquatch or Bigfoot exists out there, then what we're talking about is some sort of bipedal hominid, uh, some variation of an ape slash human, uh, some sort of ape that hasn't become fully human or some sort of human that has devolved into some ape-like status or something just completely entirely different. If you look at the scientific understanding of what these things are, then you can get lost in a lot of big words and all that kind of good stuff. And I don't want to go there, okay? I just want to know, I want you to know what it is that I can share from my own experiences. And again, I only have this one and I'm going to tell you about it now. So many years ago, when I was, and I can't remember exactly how old I was, I was probably around 13 or 14 years old. My family was doing some cattle business with another family. We traveled to their farm to buy some steers. We went there. They had the steers in a barn. We drove back into their farm. Uh, we hooked our trailer up to the right next to the chute on the barn. I got out and helped the, get the cattle into the cattle trailer, our cattle trailer. And when I say we, uh, I grew up farming with my my dad and my uncle and another cousin who's three or four years older than me at the time. I guess he still is, isn't he? <laughs> still three or four years older than me. But at the time, he was 16, 17 years old, and I was around 13, 14. I don't remember exactly. I just knew that I could not drive, and he could at the time. He had his own vehicle. On the way back through the farm, we noticed that there was an Indian burial mound. If you've never seen these things, they're pretty distinct. The city of Mount Sterling, Kentucky, had several for many years. Uh, In different parts of the country, you'll see these burial mounds in different locations. They are national historic places. You shouldn't mess with them. You shouldn't be involved in, in doing anything around them. Oftentimes, these could be areas where maybe one very significant person is buried. It could be where multiple people are buried. It could be where debris and garbage, if you will, is buried. There's all sorts of different reasonings that these mounds are built. Nevertheless, my cousin and I had it in our head that this Indian burial mound that we saw uh, had stuff in it, and we wanted to get some of it. Okay, so I'm not saying that you should do this. This is definitely something you should not do. And maybe this story will help you keep you from doing that. But so we decided that we were going to sneak into this farm in the middle of the night and trespass. We broke so many laws. Uh, I'm admitting that. And it's just inappropriate that we did this. I'm a much more ethical and uh, better person, I will say, at this point in my life than I was back then. We snuck back through some farmland, got to the uh, barrel mound. We had a bucket and a shovel. That's all we took. We didn't take any flashlights. We were going cross country. We didn't want anybody to see us. We made our way to the barrel man and we start digging into it. 
I guess we were looking to get some points, you know, some spear points and maybe some arrowheads or at least some tools, hand tools or something made from napped flint. The first shovel we dug into, um, the first shovel full that we really got and put into the bucket was just full of stuff. It was, there was all kinds of stuff in it. Stones, we couldn't really see. There was moonlight there. I can distinctly remember seeing some things in the moonlight. It was light enough to see that, but we didn't have any flashlights or anything like that. We didn't want to be seen. Just as we got started, to describe where we were, there was a drive right next to this burial mound. And let's say you go back to the drive, and off to the left of the drive was this barrel mound, and up above that was a slight hill, and beyond that was an open field. On that hill, just above the barrel mound, let's say 40, 50 feet at most, it wasn't real far away from the barrel mound, was a fence that was running parallel to the Indian barrel mound. Right where the mound was, you could see into this open field, but on either side of that location were clumps of trees. So standing at the location where we were digging, you could see skyline through this field. To the right and the left of it, all you could see was trees. Okay, And you know, in the middle of the night, in the dark, you can't see much distinction between different trees. It's just a big pile of stuff. But I could see this fence outlined against the skyline unmistakable to me you know I, I was a farm boy I grew up on a farm spent a lot of time on the farm there was this very unmistakable sound as we made the first shovel dig into the mound of something stepping on a fence a woven wire fence and if you've ever been on a farm or you ever crossed a farm hunting or farming or just in general going through an area and you cross a woven wire fence, you know what that sounds like. You step on it, it squeaks, and then when you get off of it, it squeaks when it pops back up kind of thing. That was the sound that I heard. Unmistakable. And so we froze. I mean, absolutely froze there, thinking somebody's already found us. Somebody knew we were there. And I remember this is, heck, I'm, again, 13, 14 years old or something, so that would have been somewhere around 1983, 84, something like that. We didn't hear anything else, so we started digging. Just as we started digging the second or third scoop of the shovel, I heard again some sort of sound on the fence. Stopped. Nothing. Didn't see anything. Didn't hear anything. And it was almost as if, thinking back on it now, and and again, I, I have some details screwed up in my head, I'm sure, because it's been a long time and I was scared to death at the time. But what happened was we started digging again. And about that time I heard the, I heard a real distinct sound on the fence. Like it was like it was getting shook and I turned and looked. And again, imagine the description I gave you. I'm looking up towards the skyline. I can see the fence and I can also see something standing on two legs. Without a doubt, it was standing on two legs. It had two hands on the fence and it looked, I'm sorry, This is cold, hard truth. It looked big and hairy. That's all I can say. Back then, uh, the thought of having a bear in the area where we were was just, was absurd then. It's still absurd now. Bears were not in the area. I don't know what this thing was, but it started shaking the fence, making a grunting sound. To be quite frank with you, I didn't hang around to find out what it wanted to tell me. Whatever it was, we took off like, We were on fire. I mean, on fire, running back through the fields to get away. Left the bucket and the shovel there. 
and just hightailed it. I remember one time, I mean, when you're walking slowly through a field in the dark, you can come across the fence and you know that you're coming on it and you cross it. One time I ran as hard straight right into another woven wire fence and bounced off of it. I mean, it felt like I bounced off of it 20 foot. I didn't, obviously, but I hit that thing running full tilt, 13, 14-year-old Craig Cottle running crazy into the fence, bounced off, eventually crossed it, got in the truck. We didn't talk all the way back to the house. He dropped me off. Uh, he went to his house. We talked about it one time after that, but quite frankly, we were both so scared at that time. I think we were too scared to talk about it. It turned out that the person that I was with, my cousin, made some really poor choices in life. I don't know that he could even remember anything from that time frame of his life. So I haven't asked about him. I haven't asked him about it since. Haven't talked to him about it since. There's so much about that time frame of our lives that I know that he can't remember. I'm sure he doesn't remember that. And maybe he does. I don't know. But here's my point. I want to get back to this. I want to say again what I've said. I've never found a track. I've never seen a picture of a track. I've never seen a picture of a cast. I've never seen anything that I saw online. I've never seen anything in person that would make me think that if you look at it from a scientific perspective and you start collecting data, I only have one very small, simple piece of data that I have no explanation for. I actually have some things that in my mind that I've worked it up to that I think it's something that was bigger than or different than what we know as the physical world that I can attribute it to. I don't know if that was a product of both of us just being scared to death and being scared that the landowner was going to find us. Maybe the landowner had some sort of suit that he put on or some craziness. I don't know. Uh, I really don't know. I tend to believe that, that I did not see a Sasquatch that night, to be quite frank with you, just because I haven't had any other data that would back that up. That was the experience, you all. That's it. I'm not going to deny that I saw what I saw. I'm not going to pretend that I didn't see anything because I did see something. But what it was, I don't know. And to be quite frank with you, it's a little embarrassing to even talk about it since it's only one very distinct situation and occurrence and I don't have anything else to back it up. That is my understanding and what I know about Sasquatches and Bigfoots. It feels a little good to get it off my chest and lay it out there because I know somebody's going to ask me about it. This has been Craig Cottle, Director of Nature Alliance. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast, and thank you for sharing whatever it is that you share. Send us an email, podcast at naturereliance.org. That's podcast at naturereliance.org. We'll answer any questions or concerns that you have. Come on, join in. Let's learn together. And that wraps up another fantastic episode of the Nature Blinds podcast. I hope today's journey has inspired you to explore and connect with the natural world in new and exciting ways. Before I say goodbye, remember to check out the Nature Blinds School online membership. If today's episode sparked your interest in wilderness skills and outdoor adventures, this online community is the perfect place for you to start or continue your journey. You can currently sign up for a year for only $99 and get two months for free. 
Click the link below to discover a world of expert-led courses, engaging content, and a vibrant community eager to share their knowledge and experiences. Whether you're starting your outdoor journey or looking to deepen your existing skills, the Nature Reliance School online membership is here to guide you. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe for more adventures and share this podcast with your fellow nature enthusiasts. Until next time, come on, join in. Let's learn together.